0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion. Today I'm joined by... Richie Buzzkill on the wheels of steel What up, motherfucker?
1: Not much, man Just, like, uh, you know Just getting the paint off my hands And drinking a little beer, you know as, as it were, so
0: Oh, buddy, yeah Dude, I wish I was joining you for beer tonight I have, uh, I don't know I have, like, some kind of vodka thing I put together uh, on the fly Um, we're, this is a really special episode, dude This is, this episode is a long time in the making We, uh, put this one on the old schedule like a year ago and we were like oh buddy we're going to talk about Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition and so in order to do that we searched the land to find people who were both familiar with Vampire the Masquerade and familiar with Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition and we found two of our guest hosts we found my buddy Eric Manch Eric from Tucson what up man how you doing
2: well, hello, Brendan. Hello, Cult. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. RBK. Uh on the on the Wheels of Steel, thank you very much for all that you do. Thank you. It's it is a pleasure. It is a delight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Of course, man. I'm so happy to have you
0: on this episode. Uh, some of my like oldest, finest memories of playing Vampire the Masquerade or of playing in like somebody's parents guest house eating cheese sandwiches and playing vampire the masquerade until until the sun did rise plus plus there's some other stories but i won't i won't regale the the cult with all this nostalgia just quite yet and then we got paul what up paul how you been i didn't catch your last name dude you're, you're richard's friend richard would you introduce your friend paul please i'm sorry
1: yeah this is paul uh, this is my, my oldest friend that is not have my last name. I've literally known him since what, third grade, right? Third or fourth, fourth? Fourth grade. Yeah. Fourth grade. <laughs> so we went to the same elementary school. We went to the same middle school. We went to the same high school uh we have been playing uh, role-playing games is pretty much i mean i think you got a uh, start a little ahead of me because you actually talked to people where i did not so
3: <laughs> yeah it was around uh it was around freshman year i think i started really playing
1: yeah so that VGs, was- it,
3: occur- it occurred to me as i was thinking about this there's there may be listeners that have kids that are older than we were when we started gaming oh
1: there might be <laughs> from listeners when we that knew each other
3: wow
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, this is this is great because it's uh, Vampire the Masquerade. It's a it's a, it's a game that's now like kind of multi generational. We're all getting like white hair around our temples and our beards and stuff, and yet Vampire the Masquerade continues. Here we are in a new century, you know, talking about a new version of the game together. So this is this is a, this is a red letter occasion. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into the black hole. The black hole is the ever sucking void that consumes all of our time, uh, money, and attention. It is role playing, the grandest of hobbies. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I have this problem where I always, you know, do the black hole last, and I do a bunch of talking, a bunch of expositions. So today I'm going to lead it off. I'm uh, getting my Esoteric Enterprises campaign back online. Uh, This summer I ran a pretty successful chapter one of uh, an esoteric enterprises game and we had a lot of fun it was me and uh the dungeon punks guys and the slow death games guys and we're all kind of just mixing it up like you know three like notorious crews playing uh role-playing games together and not taking it super seriously but taking it just seriously enough and um season one ended with a uh the character death so uh uh after playing some of uh brinton williams um uh ruin and conquest uh, and then we had a little bit of a break because some life stuff happened and then it was like the election and everybody was all fucking bummed out and nobody wanted to like play games and shit we're getting back to esoteric enterprises um and uh, i'm really stoked to be playing that again and uh uh the 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 game is going to be moving forward about a year i think and uh the characters having gone underground uh, after having been chased out of Detroit, are going to be returning to Detroit. We've, we've all, we 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 did we did a big a big big session where we were all kind of hanging out in the um, full Mill RPG Discord, and then uh, the homie filthy casual he saw us in there. And he was like, we were in the hangout one. He jumped in, hung out. And he kind of was just listening to us talk. But uh, the, the the player characters have decided that they uh, have spent the last year kind of like. Um, planning revenge for their uh, fallen friend so uh season two is them like fucking wild bunch style going into detroit to fucking like even the score uh like against the Krieg band and crypto fascist assholes so uh i'm really excited to play that out and see how it all goes um and that's yeah that's what i've been working on man that's what i'm jazzed for uh what's let's, let's let's shoot it over to paul. paul what are you up to man
3: well, I have been running Eternal Lies, which you listeners may have heard about from uh, from Richard's previous forays into the black <laughs> hole that is role-playing. So I've been unleashing cosmic horrors upon poor Richard's uh, detective. And recently, they it's 1930s, and you, I don't think you can play a 1930s game without running into Nazis. So they had to go rescue their boss, uh, from one of the Nuremberg rallies. So the Nazis took an interest in their boss and kind of maybe kidnapped her, and they had to go bring that. That's a little side thing I threw in there that so there's no spoilers for Eternal Lies and that or anything. So don't send any hate mail my way.
1: (laughs) I I had wondered Uh, if that was yours. I had wondered if that was your uh, side quest or if that was in the book. And I was like, it shows incredible restraint on the writer's part to not, Use the biggest event in the 20th century in their uh, their narrative.
3: Uh- <laughs> yeah, I was surprised, but I have to admit, I was a little disappointed. Like, that's, I, I don't know. It, it's a classic for a reason. Like, I, I, you got to fight some Nazis in there if you're going to be uh, in the 1930s. Well, strangely enough, or we today. didn't actually fight Nazis. <laughs>
0: are, you, are you guys on pulp mode or are you on the other mode? What's the other mode called?
3: It's a. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I think Purist mode, that's what it's called. Purist. We're yes. in kind of a hybrid. There's a hybrid mode that's between the two of them, and that's kind of what I do, is I, I try to strike the balance between them. But it's more pulpy nice. than it is Purist. Okay. okay. It, it, it's long enough, I think, if you played it like in the hardest core version of it, you you would have no continuity between the different sections of the game, because everyone would be dead and insane. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe where they get eventually, but you gotta you gotta be able to move it from one section of the game to the other.
1: The death spiral is, spiral is much longer. <laughs>
0: right. I, I I saw a guy on uh, like a Pelgrane board or something, and he was like, "Yeah, just finished Eternal Eyes, No player deaths or no character deaths, rather, and only one character went insane." And I was like, "Huh."
3: Yeah, I um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little surprised at that. They either had players that played really well or GMs that were really soft would be my guess, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean that was my take too, is I was kinda like, Are you one of those Monty Hall guys? But that you know, that's just me being judgy. I'm a judgy person. Um, now before when we were before we went on the air, you actually said something to me about uh, kind of like where you were coming from when you started running Eternal Wise, I thought it was really interesting and I'd like to share it with the listeners. Did you mind repeating that?
3: Yeah, I am. I have not read a single work by H.P. Lovecraft, not one. The closest I came to it is wow. there's a children's parody book called "Is It Where the Deep Ones Are" that are available at every Gen Con and probably every other gaming convention. So it's a it's a parody of uh, "Where the Wild Things Are," only where the deep ones are. That's the only that's the closest thing to reading a Lovecraft book I've ever read. Um, now I played in a couple of of Trail and Call of Cthulhu games, but. I had never actually read any of the work. So I'm not one of these guys that's like, I can tell you exactly what happened in page 45 of Keller out of time or whatever. So, you know, you, it's a book that you can pick up with like no real deep knowledge of really either trail of Cthulhu or the the mythos at all and run it. And I, I really like it. I can't for a, for a canned adventure if you're looking at trying to do something with cthulhu i know it's expensive but it's well worth the money to do
0: i think that that's a really strong recommendation uh because i think that um there's this kind of kind of I'm, I'm gonna say gatekeepery i think that gatekeepery is gonna be kind of like a again that's kind of a judgment call and I think you can do it without being gatekeepery but there's definitely a barrier to entry where people might feel like imposters if they aren't like Lovecraft scholars, and there's definitely this idea that you need to be like a Lovecraft scholar in order to like play these games. But so I love that you've been so successful uh, with um, just the play materials and without feeling somehow like you had to go, you know, read a, like an annotated Lovecraft book, you know?
3: Not at all. I mean, you can, you literally just need the Eternal Eyes book. And a Trail of Cthulhu book. That, that's all you need to run it. That's all. Oh, everything I, you yeah. need is in there. Brilliant. Plus, that's amazing. Plus, they have a music suite, which I don't really use because we're online. But it actually comes with, like, a full set of MP3s that if you're playing at a table. Because in an ideal world where COVID wasn't around, you I would play this at a table with probably candlelight or something like that. And uh it actually has different music tracks and different themes, and it tells you, like, when to play them at different points in the story. Nice. Holy then, are,
0: they, are they good?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's all mood. It's all ambient music. It's not, you know, there's no, like, lyrics to any of it or anything, but it sets the tone.
2: And that's all just the beauty of, uh, of you know, the mythos, right, the Lovecraft mythos. Because I mean, he, he just shared everything with all of his fans, so many people writing Lovecraft. You know stories I mean you can You could you could never write, read one of his Stories and you could you could get the you could Just add whatever you want and it's like The original fan Fanfic you know Mythos really
1: yeah you definitely don't Need to read <laughs> sorry You definitely don't need to re- read that racist Asshole so you can go <laughs> No you never
2: <laughs> do you never do it's uh,
0: great I, I, I like that The the, the uh, Almost kind of like the idea Of uh, uh Lovecraft as like an IP buster who was sort of like democratizing his platform as he was like incepting it. I mean, that's, that, that, that's good. That really does break down the gatekeeperiness. I love it. Um, uh, uh, Eric, what are you up to, man?
2: Well, as far as, um, actual role playing, you know, in during these, uh, difficult, uh, remote, uh, COVID times, been working on you know i don't want to get i don't know how much i should get into this because we're going to talk about vampire but i've been talking about trying to uh, get a uh, a remote zoom session started up with a couple of friends of mine uh from college you know kind of inspired by uh reading this this magnificent tome that we're going to talk about in a few minutes this uh, vampire fifth edition uh source book (laughs) um kind of inspired by um you know i i Spoke to a couple of friends who were, you know, interested in Vampire over the years about, you know, kind of hoping to kind of get a jump on, you know, doing this, uh, doing this podcast. See if I could get some uh, people interested in doing like a one-off story um, and I talked to people about what they were interested in and uh, immediately people talked about like, um, well – what we do in the shadows is my inspiration is, is what we want to talk about, which it's kind of made me think about, you know, like thinking about what people think about when they think about vampire. I mean, that's kind of like what people think about, right? Like it's, it's not interview with a vampire anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's this more modern, like, like that's, what's interesting to people. It's like, what is this old vampire? doing who's like a thousand years old who doesn't like know how to screw in a light bulb and so like that kind of a gave me an interesting story idea so I'm we're gonna maybe try to pursue that so we're kind of trying to put that together right now with a couple people over zoom so that's one thing I'm kind of working on Um, also um, (laughs) so so I have some thoughts about that so I I don't know we can kind of talk about that more when we get into um, to the fifth edition talk so um
0: no oh, dude that's that's, first of all, that's great that's great on a number of levels like i mean yeah. first of all uh i i'm, I'm like floored I'm th- that's so that's so cool that just reading the book is kind of like getting a game together you know especially for people who either haven't done it or haven't done it in a long time but then I think that you have really hit on something, which is that there has been a kind of generational shift in how people look at vampires. I mean, they're just, it's not the same, it, there's not the same cultural uh, position towards the, the, the genre anymore. And I think that that. I mean, we can't we can't talk about the game without talking about that shift, um, and uh, on some level, we can't talk about the success or failure of the game without talking about that shift. Um, but like yeah. you said, we'll, tell, we'll 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 get into we'll start unpacking that. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't wait.
2: Uh, also, that that,
0: oh, oh, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry.
2: Yeah. Also, um, was um, you know visiting the the local uh, you know FLGS uh, over here in a in in Tucson. And uh, I was sort of getting into some, looking you know, at Warhammer fantasy roleplay, and I found uh, I, I, I found what I believe to be an old uh, Warhammer fantasy roleplay book, and I was considering getting it. Um, and it, it, it was signed by what looked to be, again, I don't know the people who were involved in putting together the, fan, the Warhammer fantasy roleplay book, but you know I was kind of like, you know when you when you go into one of these stores, you know they're you know they're filled with you know Games Workshop materials. You know like on one half of the store, and you know the other half of the store is filled with you know just countless board games and models. You know you have to kind of hunt through you know to you know one remote remote corner to find like the the small small pile of books that's like cyberpunk red or you know just you know fantasy role just like just Esoteric, other books, <laughs> and then I just like kind of found a uh, an old like I guess like a first edition like Warhammer fantasy role play that appeared to have been signed by someone at some con in like oh 1994. God. Did you pick it up? <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> <'cause>,
1: <laughs> well, don't say them where it's at. We'll find out about that after the yeah. show. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> but it, it was it was a pretty crazy book it's just going through it you know like i i i don't know i've been kind of like mixed on warhammer and warhammer 40k like just the the lore is just kind of like is more what interests me about it like even as i was going through the book like i could hear like the the guys at the uh at the front of the desk you know going through the like reciting the lore of uh warhammer 40k and describing the uh Describing the uh, the birth of the emperor and the, you know the <laughs> the current state of <laughs> how he was how he was the emperor on dying and he was sitting on the golden throne and how of course it is you know amazing and awesome how you know forty thousand psychers die every day you know so that the uh, the imperium of man can uh, can uh, survive and all of that. You know, he's the
0: light of the astronomicon. I mean, yeah, yeah, giving light. (laughs) He makes all warp travel possible. Um, Yeah, (laughs) like, yeah, it's 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 a weird religion. It's definitely uh, Warhammer lore is its own strange religion, and you definitely have people who are, you know, like really heavily involved in the catechesis. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, but I definitely recommend that fucking Warhammer fantasy game, dude. That's a good game. That's a good ass game.
2: Just snap that shit up. Yeah, and, and shortly after that, I also read uh, one of the uh, the the new uh, comics, the Ultramar the Ultramarine comics, which is written by Karen Gillen, which is uh, actually pretty decent. I don't know uh, if you guys. uh Calgar, Marty's Calgar. Ka- yeah, Calgar. Mar- 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 yeah. Yeah,
0: you read Marty's Calgar number
2: one. Um, I got number two. I, I I couldn't find number one, but I read number two. So oh, okay.
0: Pretty- I don't have number two yet. No, I'm yeah. no number two yet. I was, uh, after after the show, we'll talk about it. After the show, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> all right, all right, Richard. What are you up to, bro?
1: Well, uh, strangely enough, you mentioned Warhammer uh, Fantasy Role-Playing Game. I actually got to play Warhammer Fantasy Role-Playing Game 4th Edition uh, recently. Yeah, uh, thanks to Patrick, the DM. Shout out to him on the, on the Discord. He's like, hey, does anybody want to play this? And he actually has another game coming up here soon if you're really interested. Um, so it was, uh, it was fun. Uh, I almost got killed by a fish in the first combat. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so we're floating down the river. What, and what the, was your
3: career? What was my, your starting career?
1: My career was Servant. <laughs> was a uh, uh uh he was a cor- courtier servant was was his career before he became an adventurer i guess um so he was uh strange well he i rolled really well with a mop so i did this ridiculous amount of damage what i would call with a mop so um <laughs> and i you know and then i i stabbed the fish in the head and it still didn't die. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of like, all right, I'm done with you guys. <laughs> that's how tough this fish was. Um, but yeah, well, was- everything
0: is tough in the world of, of Warhammer. I mean, right. that's one of the things that's great about it is that you're just on a <laughs> schlep and then you're out there in the world with like your rusty dagger and you have, you're like, I'm going to become an adventurer. You know, I mean, heaven forbid that like anytime in the first couple of adventures, you actually meet, a monster that would just be, you know, in the pages of a monster manual. as just like a, like a standard first level encounter. You know, if you meet like a skeleton or a minotaur or something, you're fucked. You're like fucked. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, yeah, we actually, we actually, strangely enough, I thought we were done at the end. Cause we actually met a, what I would call a, a basilisk on its last legs. <laughs> it's got like eight legs or some shit. It's a big lizard thing. Um, And, uh, well, I, I thought we were going to get screwed, uh, pretty quickly, but due to some crazy roles, we actually like beat it off, but like also feeding it some mercenaries that happened to be there that happened to be the people we were actually following. So there's a, there's a whole, like it, it, it did the grimdark thing pretty well. Uh, you know, had some, some, some good times with that. And, uh, it, it was, it was fun. I, I, I think, uh. But it I, didn't
0: I, grab you, like I, I mean, like it just I, I I sense a hesitancy in your voice. I don't think that that has anything to do with 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 the gming. No, it was, this, this, this is this the game? Did the game bother you or um what? the
1: the only th- the I liked I like the integration because you have got me addicted to pl- doing forty k, you bastard. Um, oh, yes, I have. Yes, yeah. uh, I but know. I like the integration of the stats into the game as kind of like the, the stat is really uh like if you have a weapons skill, it's really like your weapon skill will be two on your actual character sheet, but you have like a 29 on your, on uh, in your character versus two on your, like if you were a miniature. So I like that right. kind of expanded granularity, but like most fantasy things, I kind of like, uh, I've, it, it, I've lost my taste for it mostly, but I'll still play. Um, I so think, what you're
0: saying is, is you want to play Dark Heresy?
1: Mm, they won't let... Me, they We probably won't play an orc, so probably not. So oh, I see, I see. I, I have no taste for playing anybody from the Empire of Man. Just, like, none. Like, you can just... <laughs> you could just shuffle off right now. I Space Marines can go flate their staves or whatever they do. I don't know. Um, I... Ah. I
0: there's an interesting conversation to be had there.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there it's it's a good fantasy game. I think I definitely expected to die much more quickly in the final fight than we kind of did. And it we were rolling pretty well, but I just kind of expected to get crushed and I wasn't, and that's sort of vaguely disappointing for the reputation of the game as as this like Bo- you know bone crusher kind of thing
0: well right we only played one session right
1: right we only played one session yeah, I mean, we did a lot of stuff
3: <laughs> <sessions>. <laughs>
1: yeah that's true
3: you can't crush all the bones in one session yeah i mean
1: you should at least crush one bone in, in, a, in a, one shot it, you know you got to drive it like you stole it and um yeah it, it the story i think it was a module he said we were playing i don't remember what it, the name of of it was but we you know uh, it, it had a good, like, you know, slap back kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's one thing. No, it's the other. It's like, oh, that it didn't expect that, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I just, you know, it just doesn't, uh,
0: it wasn't, it wasn't that funeral one, was it? No. Was it like you got, okay. Okay. It, we were out so in the, the middle cub- of Cubicle seven has done like a ton of, a ton of modules for the new, new Warhammer. A lot of them are kind of uplifts of old modules. Interesting right.
1: right. We were out in the swamp and they're whatever their uh Romani uh not Romani, uh their their equivalent of the uh Roma people were like digging up they were refusing to dig up stones to finish this mill. So our characters are brought in to dig up these stones and then you know mystery ensues after that that leads us into a terrible swamp. Uh so
0: ah! It's was a good
1: time. Yeah, it was a good time. It's just not my nice. yeah. You know, I didn't hop quite on you know the next episode because I feel like I can go you know do some else. But and sure, then, sure. And then Internal Lies uh it keeps keep getting one more one more job for my character that has lost fingers and uh, <laughs> lost yeah. Sanity
3: your DM <laughs> in that game is a real asshole, man.
1: <laughs> sure, certainly <laughs> is. <laughs> anyway so that's what i've been up to
3: well that sounds like quite a bit so that
0: was uh that was a good one we had a lot of stuff going on which is great that's great i love it when people are uh role-playing and and getting some role-playing and even in these kind of fraught times uh all right so um all that having been said you guys want to jump into the topic what do you think
3: yeah sounds good. good
0: all right so uh those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time may remember back in the early days uh just Adam and Ben and I talking all the time about Vampire and everything kind of came back to Vampire. And, uh, you know, we've been following this uh, Vampire the Masquerade fifth edition thing for quite a while. So, uh, and we just, we just, you know, I mean, the whole the whole thing is almost like a saga that we kind of like played through. You know, we went out to Gen Con and were part of some playtesting that was going on. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, we were there the, the year that it released and we were watching everybody kind of, you know, um, buy their books and stuff and then all the way down to like gen con uh 2019 where it almost seemed as though like vampire vanished sort of strangely you know the i went to the white wolf booth and it was just board games and like half the board games were vampire role-playing vampire board games and then the other half were just weird shit that i had no idea what it was um so it's, it's so what a long strange trip it's been and that and that that trip goes all the way back to the You know, early 1990s when the kind of green marble books first got put in our hands and have led us sort of inexorably to this place. (laughs) Um, So this game has had just an unbelievably kind of turbulent development that we've seen it jumping from company to company we've seen this guy brought on to lead it then summarily fired then we've seen the license to it given to a company and then they run it out and then it's gone to another company and in the midst of that we have over like something like a three year four year process two years since release and we have essentially like 4.5 books and when I say 4.5, what I mean is that the, the um, you know, Children of the Blood Gods or whatever, Occult of the Blood Gods, just came out in PDF. Uh, Onyx Path slash White Wolf just made that PDF available to backers, but the book itself is not yet out. Um, so with all of this turbulence and kind of storied history, we really have four books. So does this game, did it do what it set out to do? Is it a good game? did it breathe new life into the torporous corpse of the vampire franchise? And really really because you know when um, when Martin Erickson came out and like he got up on the stage and he did the LeBron James kind of thing the not one, not two, not three and he and then he and he was listing all the things that we could expect as vampire fans and the crowd was going wild, what TV shows, you know what I'm saying? Um he he said he set the he set the the our sights so high and my question, my philosophical question is can a game both be a success and a failure at the same time? So what I'd like to start with is I just kind of like for everybody to give their first impressions. Kind of just their first impressions of the book. Let's not make it too long. Let's just make it like a couple sentences. Eric, why don't you go what, – what do you think?
2: Well, my first impression in looking at this book is, you know, who is this book for? You know, looking at the back, you know, there's – you know, it's 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 got that quote, you know, that's, you know, from Vampire – from the original Vampire, you know, the, the – you know, I forget exactly who wrote it, but – but, of course, you know, the, the original Vampire was a book – was famously a, uh, a, a, uh, a, a game of personal horror. And, and then, of course, you know, this, this game is a storytelling game of personal and political horror, which – okay, that's kind of interesting. Um, and so, you know, looking through this uh, voluminous book, you know, there's a lot of interesting rules and um, concepts – which I, I think are, are definitely interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult for me to get into it and sort of like sit sit in my bed and page through because, you know, it, it doesn't really appeal to me in the same sort of way. As I was sort of allu- alluding to when I was saying my uh, you know, opening remarks, you know, it, it doesn't have that se- sort of same 90s appeal. You know, it's it's got a very uh, more modern look to it, um, with all the like seeds and it's, it's got a very more, I know you don't like talking about video games in this podcast, but it's got a very m- much more video gamey reference in a lot of the, um, graphics. And, um, it's just, um, you know, whereas the, uh, the earlier books had a very much like Tim Bradstreet, you know, all, all of this great art in all the, all the books and, um, just the concept of it is very It's very strange to me, although at the same time, you know, I do like a lot of the focus on, you know, things like the thin blood concepts um, and like focus on like like newer vampires. So in that sense, I kind of understand where it's going with like a political uh, aspect, but I I don't buy that this is like a political horror uh, game. I don't I don't really understand that part of it. So that's, oh, that's that's kind of my uh, initial impression. I don't want to take too too much.
0: No, that's it's all good. All that's all good. a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to come back to. That's a lot to circle back to. That's good. That's good. That's that's meaty. Um, so. Paul, what, what 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 what's your what's your first take? What's your what are your first takes on the game? My
3: my first take is thank God vampires are monsters again. Like I'm actually <laughs> literally pounding my hands on my table as I say that because I <laughs> like mechanically this. System punches you in the face if you try to go to the worst impulses of the older system like when you try to just be uh, Richard or nice good friend nan always talks about it as you know the like basically you're playing the matrix you're playing neo with things running around jumping off buildings and having superpowers and just generally doing that it, it, it mechanically drives you back into the fact that you are a monster. And being a monster is not a good thing. And I think for that alone, it is great.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. RBK, RBK, thoughts, thoughts, hot takes, first, first impressions. First
1: impressions are, I think this book is way better than most people think it is but I also think it fails on many levels. (laughs) I like this game a lot, but I think it's like three games. I think this should have been at least it should have been a vampire game. And then the thin blood game should have been separated into two different games. Uh, Like the old, you know, collection of werewolf and all that. It, it, it seems to want to do everything. And when it, there's some really great stuff like what Paul was saying where there's there's some truly, you know, humanity has some teeth again. Uh, it, you know, you all kind of agree on uh, your tenets of your campaign, your uh, chronicle, and that kind of sets the expectations it, it, it it's a modern game. There's some really cool stuff. I feel like I definitely sense like some drama system and some other th- story games that have kind of worked their way into the the new stuff. But it's not particularly well organized. So it's sort of hard to see that when you if you're just like flipping through uh, somebody because you can't even flip through this book. That's the other part of this is it's plasticed up. But uh, yeah. in, in the story, you can't even look at it um but if you get to look at it you're like oh okay and then you start going well this art is strange to me because i'm used to normal games where they don't have photographs of actual people and i actually being a a lover of photography being a photography uh one of my many hobbies i think the photography is actually pretty good and i think it sets a mood and it's a very modern so that's my
0: take Interesting. Interesting. Good. Oh, I lot to circle back to. You. Good. All right. So, um, uh, we kind of heard my first impression a few weeks ago when I was reading it, and I was like just cracking it open. And I was like, man, this game is so prescient. This game is so timely. And I still think that it is. Uh, I think you have to be reminded of that a little bit more when you're reading it. You have the book, as, you, as we've all kind of noted, this book's fucking. Thick. This is a thick book that jams a lot of shit in there, and um, the early fiction, which uh, I resolved to read every word of this book, and I wasn't going to skip anything. And usually, those early kind of fiction pieces in these in these White Wolf books, they're uneven. Let's just say we'll we'll, we'll be kind and we'll say they're uneven. And there's an urge <laughs> to skip them. Um but I read it, and the and the front end fiction just got me so jazzed. To me, it felt like the It felt like the most timely kind of post kind of George Floyd uh, game. And I was like, how did they know? How did they see the world as it would be? And it felt so fresh in the way that old vampire did. And then I got into the game and I started reading tons and tons and tons of rules and and, and, and really quite a scant amount of story info. And I started losing sight of all that and kind of, similarly to what I'm kind of hearing from the table is it got weirdly muddled. It just became this very strange artifact that existed that exists in some kind of weird matrix of the art versus product like realm and that it doesn't really seem to know exactly what it is. My take, interestingly, I think, is is almost a converse of Richard's take where he feels like there's too much game in here. I almost feel like there's too little. I'm almost like, I look at this game and I'm like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, uh, like, uh, when I read the second edition vampire, the masquerade, I was like, my blood boiled to run that game. I had so many ideas. I just wanted to tear into it, you know, but the new game, you're just like, okay, the world sucks. And your character has a hard time now what? Am I supposed to make a game out of that? I I I, I want more. I want there to be more blood, more viscera, something I can really sink my teeth into. Um so let's kinda just start breaking it apart. You know, who's got something that they really want to say? Could somebody jump out. Just blurt out a take.
1: I, I think that like the I really admire what they did with the adding the thin blood to the idea of the game because i think that would be an amazing campaign to do thin blood like that's the one that's
2: yeah. where it's at. yeah, yeah. totally agree with that i, I really yeah. really like that a lot
0: i loved it too it, and i actually i'm contrary to the take that it should have been left out as a separate campaign because then people would look at it and they'd be like oh i don't know if i really want that and they'd let it sit on the shelf but if you buy it in the core book and it's presented to you and you do the reading and you're like oh this sounds kind of interesting you know, cause it's not something I ever would have associated with myself. Does that make sense? Right.
1: Right. And that's yeah. that's yeah, well, fair. That's fair. I I just, I think maybe to me, I, this problem I have with this book and the problem, I, I like this. I think it would be interesting. I would love to play it. I mean, we we made characters. I think it would be fun to like try them out and like really see where the, you know, rubber meets the road. Um, but the, I guess it's, it kind of comes down to the entire way they did this book where they like, they're like, give me, they give me a taste of something. And then say, go see page 239. And it's the organization that kind of makes it feel muddled because if they had said, this is the thin blood section, we're, we're going to introduce the concept here, but then like all the rules to make a thin blood are here all of the the sorcery the thin blood alchemy and all that stuff was here and then i could really dig into like all the lore and everything you're right i think adding that lore because like talk about what the interaction between you know oh they're shit on but i think you're right i think they could have just slipped a little more of that lore into a much more condensed section i think that would have made that much sing much better
3: I agree with Richard yeah. that the thin blood is where it Like, if I were going to play a game, this is the thin blood is what I would want to play. Because in the old system, I always thought the best, the best version of the like '90s White Wolf was when you were playing the squishy human trying to figure out what was going on. I always loved those games. Now maybe that's just me being weird, but
0: oh no, no, I agree 100. percent I ran a lot of stuff that was like that. We often ran it where you start out as a human, and you had to play being a human and. By the time we got to a certain point, I wasn't even letting people pick their clans. I would tell them to write a list of clans they wanted to play on a card, and then I would try to make it so that their sire was one of those clans, but that really is going to be based on their role-playing.
3: Well, and the Thin Blood is nice because then it allows you to do that and not be, like, quite so squishy, right? (laughs) Like, you can go in there and you can explore, and you got one foot in the human world, one foot in the vampire world, you know. do you? And I like that they give you... The, the option of going one direction or the other. The other one that's fantastic is what they've done with Hunger in this. I, I think that's just a great, great mechanic for a Vampire where it, you know, it's not something, they've done away with all of those cheesy things from the older Vampires of, you know, I'm going to, you know, like I'm a super powerful vampire, but I'm going to eat on rats and be satiated. Oh, no, you're not. Not anymore. The you want to be fully, question...
0: How many blood points is in a rat? Like, right. You know, how many blood points? Is, I, I use I use so animals, and then I and then I eat that many rats.
3: And, and again, like it's it's what I said at the beginning. Like they punch you right in the face anytime you want to try to do those things, which I think is good. Like you want to be fully not hungry, murder a human and drink every drop of their blood out. Otherwise, you're going to be hungry. And it, it it just reinforces that being a vampire is a bad thing like i remember i've never read them but i worked at a bookstore and had somebody explain to me what the twilight books were and she was talking to me and she's like she was explaining it to me i'm like so wait a minute the only bad thing about being a vampire in these books are you sparkle like a raver giddy when you go out in sunshine <laughs> and like you can't eat a cheeseburger like sign me up like where is the horror in that like everyone should want to sign up for that <laughs> So I like that they make it a bad thing. Like, it should be a bad thing. You're supposed to be damned. It's supposed to, you
0: know. Okay, so I'm kind of hearing from, as as, as, as we're talking, I'm kind of feeling like there's some kind of broad themes that we're sort of working around here. Like, on one hand, we've got the context, and that is what Eric's kind of brought up, where it's like a lot of time has passed since the first game came out, and a lot of things have changed. And that means that the game is going to have to change because the context of the game has changed. Okay. Then there's the content of the game, and on that level, we've kind of broken that down into like the organization of the book, the story, and the system. So I, I I'm gonna move that we kind of start attacking some of these so we can kind of focus the conversation a little bit. I'd like to start out with the context. Let's 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 kind of move over to the context a little bit and be like, what is the context of this game? Like, what is it? You know, do people give a fuck about vampires anymore, or are vampires like cheesy and played out? Let's be real. Let's be real. The '90s were kind of a renaissance for vampires, right? But are, is it over? Should you not even be releasing this game right now?
2: I I think that's a very good question. I think I think the vampires that we knew them were very wrapped up in a lot of vampire culture in like the late 80s, '90s, in particular. I think like the whole idea just of like like hanging out in Elysium and like LARPing with like a, like, like different clans of vampires, like that whole concept of like a clan and like associating with a particular clan, like is very high school. Like that, that whole concept is just kind of like, like I even like, like thinking back like Heathers for vampires, like, like even talking to people now about the movie Heathers and like people like can't even understand like why people like that movie. And so like, like with it, like the entire concept I think of, of vampires is just like completely different. So like, um, which is why for one, I think the, the thin, the thin blood concept is so interesting and, and just why the concept and, and why I think just thinking about, you know, what we do in the shadows and why like the concept of old vampires is so absurd now, which I think is great. Because you know there was such a power creep in the later books. Well, actually, in the earlier books, which I think they tried to correct somewhat in um, in revised by kind of powering down a lot of disciplines and uh, and a lot of the systems. Um, but but yeah, I I, it, it, I I do kind of struggle to think about like what people are inspired by and interested in because you know for a lot of people it is it is things like twilight. It is things like um,
0: yeah. In the last 20 years, the notion of what a vampire is has just completely changed. And um, it's funny because we spent the first, like, 30 minutes of the show talking about chthonic horror. And right now, chthonic horror is the thing that drives people. Chthonic horror is the thing that makes people feel kind of, like, squicks them out a little bit, makes them look at the world a little bit differently. But the... The '90s idea of like, oh, there's these like secret masters of the world, you know. That was a X Files thing, and now it's like a QAnon thing, you know. And it's not, it doesn't feel fun to engage with that much anymore. Um, I,
2: I was kind of thinking about QAnon when putting this together, and like, uh, like trying to manipulate, like, because the you know, the the, the Bruha section talks about like, like a Bruha, like a Bruja vampire manipulating a like far right people you know for the purposes of like getting better blood i guess so like i wonder that that might be an interesting like purpose like uh like like someone manipulating uh uh people into thinking that he's q or something like that i don't know that would oh,
3: jesus <laughs> i
2: mean i thought a
3: mall for it but myself because yeah. it's so batshit crazy right yeah <laughs> but, i, I yeah. mean
0: yeah it's uh uh and, and, and vampires. The kind of, this kind of comes, comes back to what you're saying about heathers. I never thought about that, but that's like a really great. Um, that's, that's that's a really great correlation that you're drawing. Like um, yeah. the idea of like not just clans, but like um, clan ishness, you know. And do people still yeah. like interact that way? Uh, so, so much of like our upbringings was about kind of like defining subculture in such a way to like reinforce our own senses of identity. I don't know if people necessarily still do that or if they like look at things in a, through a different lens. Um, yeah, that's, that, that that's, that's fascinating. And maybe that's, and maybe that's one of the reasons why clan feels kind of stale now and why thin blood feels so fresh. Uh, I thought it was just maybe that I've like read these books for 20 years and, you know, clan feels stale to me. What do you guys think? Well,
1: I definitely think like, uh, uh, the, um, Identity is so much different now that kind of what I, I like to call the monoculture is kind of broken, um, broken up a little bit. And you could say it's two, but I think it's thousands of shards of culture now. Uh, where before we had you know three channels of television that told you what was what, right? There was, and you were real underground if you didn't listen to those people and you like listen to certain other people, like, uh, now you're hard pressed to find somebody that consumes the same media as you. And that's why people are super excited about like, uh, you know, like, Oh, you really like the firefly show or whatever. Um, Or forever night. Like, Oh my God, you've heard about forever night. Like I want to talk about this. I think it's, it's hard to imagine now having, uh, having a clan of vampires that are all very similar that all kind of, like, work together as a thing. Like, Coterie, the small group is much more... It, it, it's much easier to wrap your head around. Like, worldwide, you know, everything is splintered so much that the context, I think you're right, it doesn't it doesn't work as well, I think, as it could.
0: Well, I, I never liked oh, the yeah. idea that the clans were a bunch of, like, kind of monocultural uh, uh, cliques anyway. I mean, yeah. I liked... It never made sense, this idea that like, oh, you're a Ventrue now, we're going to take you down to the fucking suit district and we're going <laughs> to get you a fresh suit cut and then you're going to have to start, you know, wearing gloves. and I, I, I don't know. Like, oh, you're a Brugia here, we're going to dye your hair. I, I never liked that. I never liked that. I, I always thought that the Empire was best when um, the, uh, the characters had like uh, radically different backgrounds. But then that the, um, the, the clan itself had certain values that it might be trying to push on you, but it didn't create essentially kind of like members only jackets. You know what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> well, well, I mean, the thing with that, to, to push back on it a little bit, one, you know, I think the idea is that the clans have a selection bias, right? It's not that they go find some like homeless guy off the street and like, you're a Ventrue now, let me go get you a suit. You know, they're going to the Yale Yacht Club to pick them out or whatever. I mean, that may be a perfect example, but they're picking people like them, which is, I think, kind of how people do. As far as separating in clans, though, if I mean, we definitely do that. you got to look no further than politics. And last year, you know, you've got you've got two parties that, you know, roughly half the country is in each party fiercely divided and each thinks the other is terrible. And then within that, you've got these little breakout groups. And if you want to torture the metaphor, you can look at the two parties as, you know, the Anarchs and the Camarilla. And then within it, you can break it down further. You know, you've got different factions in there. Your, you know, your Bernie Sanders faction of the Democratic Party is way different than the Joe Biden faction of the Republican Party. Flip it over your Republicans. Your John Kasich faction is way different (laughs) than your no, he got, he got you it
0: right the first time. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's right. Uh,
0: I, I think I think that um, I think that. Uh, I mean, I take your point. I take your point. It's kind of like a confirmation bias. But um, I think that Requiem just did it way better. Requiem, the clan thing, always made just so much more sense. The the, the clans that were looking for a certain type of person. But it didn't matter what their um, externals were like. They were focused on internals. You know, if you looked at the uh, Requiem uh, Ventru Clan book, there was a character in there called the Witch of the Weeds, who was a uh, who was a female uh, out in like a rural area who um, had built like a, a coven around herself, but like she was a venture because she was like a fucking boss. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. she didn't fucking take any shit off anybody, you know, and that's why they went and got her and they would never pass her up because she, you know, lives within sight of a windmill. You know, they, they went and got her because she knows how to run a scene. And, um, and, and that always, that always made, that always made more sense to me and resonated with me like way more.
3: Well, and I mean, I think, I don't think there's anything in this book that keeps you from doing that. Like there's nothing in her that says like, well, Ventrue select people only this way. Right.
0: Yeah. You're no, you're right. You're right. But there is this, there are these big plates in there of kindred fashion, which I find so galling because when they were developing these books, they were so proud of it. The money that they spent on this chick, uh, twisted lamb or whatever. To come in and do these, to do some of this photography and to do these like drawings of like what a vampire is supposed to wear. And they all look like these weird like high fashion ragamuffins. And you're just like, no one dresses like this. And if you ever were out in the world and you saw someone dressed like this and it wasn't like a rave, you'd be like, what's up with them? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Walking (laughs) masquerade violations.
3: But they talk about that actually in the book. I'm. I'm. I don't know if I can find it right off here, but they talk they about say? it when they're talking about dressing. They're talking about. They talk about how, when, you know, vampires are out in the world, they're not necessarily dressed like this, but this is what they dress like when they're interacting with each other, when they're at the Elysium, when they're holding court, and how, you know, they use clothing. Clothing is used as a, uh, as a form of like almost like social signaling or social addressing. Like if you're, you're wearing the all white, you know you know, Camilla Harris acceptance speech suit. That's a sign where you're asserting prowess because you can fucking feed and not get blood all over your nice white pants suit. Uh, I, mean,
0: <laughs> I guess I just I just uh, to me that section on kindred fashion that that accompanied like all the clan um, splats, uh, it just kinda struck to it it just smacked to me of a kind of vapidness that has almost a through line through this game where it's like, it just, it just, it's kind of got this weirdly superficial kind of quality to it. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah I do. I mean, that's, yeah. That's definitely kind of the, a relic of the older uh, vampire that we're, that we're kind of talking about, which, you know, I'm trying to wonder if it still has relevance, obviously. And, you know, I guess, you know, Brendan's definitely saying that it doesn't. Um I mean that, I mean that, I think there's kind of room for both. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's vampire society, and there's human society And If you're a 500 year old vampire doesn't associate with anybody else, you're not going to be good at, I, I think you have to walk that balance, you know, because I think, I think what this book is good at doing is kind of forcing players to understand, you know, if you are an old vampire, not necessarily going to be good at, um, at, you know, associating with other humans. You know, you're you're going to lose that humanity, and you're not going to be able to connect with other people. And um, uh, you have to sort of role play that better. And in fact, well, the game doesn't really uh, you know get into like what anyone beyond like what tenth generation, so it doesn't really presuppose you're going to be playing anyone other, like lower than two hundred years old, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, um, that, and there, that 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 actually is kind of an interesting point that I wanted to bring up. Um, I mean, I guess we can jump to it now. I don't know, Richard, did you have anything you wanted to say? Well, I, I
1: just wanted to say that the, you know, back to your original question of context, I think you're not wrong that this, this, the context of vampires has moved the window, the <laughs> the window of vampire has moved uh, over time. And this I think is trying for a nostalgia play but try to, and I think that's the reason it struck a lot of people as weird, is it's a nostalgia play, but try to make it a, mo- you know, it's the modern reboot of this nostalgia thing, without, you know, giving what I think most, you know, we, we kind of said, oh, this is this is great, it got rid of all the stuff that was like Trench coats and t- Katanas, but that's kind of <laughs> what everybody, liked that's kind of what most players wanted to do is they just wanted to be look cool and Ooh. wear their sunglasses and their. I mean, I, I'm saying that there's definitely people that played it opposite to that. I feel like, Go I think
0: ahead. you're conflating two ideas, which is what, what is the idea of a vampire and what is the idea of this kind of nineties edgy aesthetic? And I think that you can take away the idea of the nineties edgy aesthetic and still say that vampires are sexy, vampires are dangerous and mysterious, and that there's something kind of like uh, uh, tragic about cycles of addiction, right? But, but if, you, if you divorce those themes from the aesthetic... And then you just look at those themes and you're like, well, do I agree with that stuff? Is that stuff compelling to me? Or do we live in a different time and that stuff's not compelling anymore? And I think that most people, when they're doing their horror role playing and they're looking at something like Cult or they're looking at something like the myriad Cthulhu games that they could play, they're kind of like, nah, I don't really give a shit about that stuff anymore. I want to play these. Other, I want to play these like fucking weird Cronenberg games. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I could see that. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Th- I think that kind of horror, the body horror and the kind of mythic horror stuff has definitely taken over the the horror space almost entirely. I mean, there's very little like when was the last time you saw a vampire movie that was like actually horrific that was like the last 5 years? Anybody? Anybody?
3: Well, Right, but I don't think this is trying to be an externally horrific game. The horror in this game is supposed to be internal. The horror is your slide into a monster, the character's slide from humanity into a monster.
1: Right. But I'm just saying in the culture like that is a, it, it it's an amazing thing and I think it's what this is this is actually better at doing than second edition uh, which is the one I'm most familiar with. was doing so i i think the the blood and the humanity and the death spirals about both are uh that kind of interact are better than the older games they work better but i'm saying contextually does anybody know about that anymore like i think like that that's kind of the point i think is like why yeah, didn't hit very well.
0: <laughs> I think, I think, I think, we, we, I, you know, guys, I think we solved it. No, like, uh, <laughs> on some level, I think that we're, we're making some points here that I haven't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily have put together if I hadn't had this conversation. And part of it's what Eric was saying about this idea of like, on some level, what we're talking about when you're talking about like cliques and clans, is we're talking about identity, right? And the 2020s, the the between 2010 and 2020, we've seen like a crazy just change in our society and how you um, determine identity. And identity right now, the way that people like determine it is from within. It's not from without. It's not this idea of like, oh, I need to join up, right? People are like, are like, no, right. don't like, don't dead name me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna wake up this morning and I'm gonna look in the mirror. I'm gonna decide who I am. I'm gonna dress the way I want to dress. I'm gonna fucking and then you. Have a responsibility, a social responsibility, to accept what I put forward, and so this idea of being like, "Oh, well, you know, choose your clan," it, it doesn't feel the same way it once did. Um, and then, and then, additionally, with, along with that, we have a lot of stuff about like uh, like further gender, like gender identities. We have sexual identities. We have like like addiction and like the cycles of addiction, and those things. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say they don't feel fresh. I'm going to say like. People are dealing with those things in a much more real way. They don't have this kind of fantastical, kind of romanticized view that perhaps we, um, like, shellacked it with in the 90s. Because we were, like, suburban kids who, like, didn't have to deal with that shit or something. I don't know. But, like, but that's, like, real life for a lot of people now. And immediately this game, when it came out, it started getting into trouble with like, well, why does it say this? Why does it say that? This is tone deaf, you know, like, uh, and again, kind of like reinforcing what Richard said, it's like they wanted it to be a reflection of a nineties way of thinking, but also not at the same time. And it can't be both things.
2: Right. I think to the extent that people are going to, I, I guess, identify with it. Like I think they're hoping that people are going to identify with, you know, more personally and, I think that, you know, you know, like people are going to hopefully find, you know, like build coteries, you know, where people are all going to be caitiff and they're they'll all be, you know, they'll they won't identify with the clan. They'll identify with the, like some common origin, uh, you know, through the you know, possibly addiction or some some shared trauma. You know, I, I don't know if I don't know if people want to role play that. I mean, that's kind of difficult to say, you know, whether that that's something that people are going to want to do. Now, I mean, it kind of gets back to, like, my original question, like, who is this book for, you know, in terms of, like, <laughs> role-playing sales, like, when people are, you know, mostly playing D&D in, like, you know, if you walk into, a, like, a game store, like, most of the shelves are devoted to, you know, D&D sales, so that's what people want to play, like, or, like, OSR whatever, you know, like, and the book is pretty much set up for that to, like, try to introduce people, like, it's got the free quick start guide. It's got a whole bunch of scenarios set up for that in the ways that previous books were not really set up for because like most people who I know who play role-playing don't play storyteller games. They don't play vampire. They don't play anything like this. So I, I think it's somewhat easy for people to kind of pick this up and learn to do this. I mean, my question is, will they pick up a book like this and, learn to do it i mean i went to one store and there were definitely plenty of books available for <laughs> to this. But i mean just my question is i mean are they going to do it
0: i i think that that's the perfect question to segue into the next topic which is going to be the content slash organization uh, uh idea because because i actually disagree with you eric i don't think it's very well set up for new players I mean, I'm an experienced role player, and I found this thing fucking boggling to try and read. Like, this kind of goes back to what Richard was saying, where he was like, I wish that they'd put shit together that was about the same thing, so I could, like, get access to it. I'm sitting there reading and reading, and it's like telling you, like, oh, well, when you rouse the blood, then this happens. But sometimes when you rouse the blood, this other thing happens. But it's also kind of dangerous to rouse the blood, and I'm like, First of all, what the fuck is rousing the blood and then how do I do it and how do I track it and how, and, and that's not until later. They're just like, well,
2: that, that part I, I agree is very confusing. It's, you
3: know, it's definitely not like, laid out well. That's yeah. I no argument there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean is there anyone who wants to make a case for this book being put together like in a way that is like like Not me. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I know no. Richard's take. I know
3: Richard's take. Richard's <laughs> I'll I'll play, the, I'll play the vampire devil advocate here. i think some of the at least to some extent anyway i think some of the problem that we're all having with it is we come into it with a certain knowledge of the old with the knowledge of the old games and what we're expecting so we're kind of no idea and it sounds like from your conversations you guys did too of like you're trying to like pick the pieces out and insert it into what you already know you're not coming into a tabula rasa like what the fuck is this thing i vampire okay cool Page one, you know, and all I can say is maybe if you're coming out to it just fresh where you have no idea what to get into, you know, you never played any sort of White Wolf game before maybe it's not as jarring to somebody that never did it, but that's the extent that I'll try to defend it. I I
0: totally see that perspective. And I think that like, if I was to sit down with somebody who's like an advocate for this game, that's probably the take that they would make. And I, cause I've I've seen that a lot when people are sparring about this game, this kind of like, Oh, well slow your roll, man. It's not for you. And this kind of goes back to what Eric was saying, which is like, who is it for, because are you really telling me like? and I'm not saying you, Paul, but just in general. Right. Just, I'm, I'm shouting right. at the internet right now. Um, like, are you Damn really telling you, like like like? No, no one who's ever played vampire is supposed to play this game. Like, I mean, because they they had to be betting that all the old school fools were going to show up and play again. They had to be putting chips on. Them. You know what I'm saying? So kind of like when Disney bought Star Wars. There's like so many conflicting drives in here it has to serve the old people but it has to bring in the new people and it has to be fresh but it has to be have a nod to the old thing and it has to have a new look but it can't get too far from the old look and it's just it's just uh it's a it's a it's a creature that's just being being drawn and quartered. you know what i'm saying it's being dragged in every direction simultaneously
1: yeah i I think so absolutely and i think that this book kind of does a disservice to itself because like once you actually like go to that like because it'll be which is weird to me that they can't fit the rule into two paragraphs that's the other part of this they're like a little more verbose than they need they could at least give me a summary of the rule and then say page 29 239 or whatever but no no it's it's like three paragraphs that give you a vague idea and then go see the other half of the book. It's it's literally the kind of worst way you can lay out a manual, in my opinion. Like, don't don't just like, hey, vague thing, vague thing. Oh, go see the other half. Like, that's not how you consume a manual of rules. Like, that's just
0: <laughs> dude, Richard. <Yeah>. 100%. One one. <laughs> 100 percent there is a art in role-playing to balancing an aesthetic presentation with essentially a mathematic presentation right like role-playing books are big books of rules and they're usually rules about numbers and they have they have to serve the reader when you're gonna sit down
2: it's usually a textbook it's like it's like a school so you're doing school in
0: a way, <laughs> yeah, but, but right? the best the best ones are fun. The best yeah. of these of those books are are conveying to you a lot of information in a way that is fun and digestible. and then when you're sitting at the table, you can find it easily. This book, they were so obsessed with the concept of having beautiful aesthetics. And Erickson, you heard him talk about it a lot. Now, I'm not here to demonize Erickson. I think a lot of shit's been like fucking uh, laid at his feet. It was not his, his fault like at all. But in in, in his initial talks, he talked so much about how there was going to be really low word count per page and all the pages were being laid out the way a fashion magazine would be laid out. And I'll admit the pages themselves are very pleasing to behold. And it reads very fast for a thick book because there are so few words per page. But goddamn, man, like if you're going to try and make a character, you're going to do a lot of page flipping. And heaven, heaven forbid you're doing like Paul was saying, where you're playing by candlelight at a kitchen table and you <laughs> need to look something up. I mean, fuck that. That ain't going to happen.
1: Especially those black pages with the white text. Like flipping from white page, black text, or gray, tan, and then go to the black page with white text. It's like, that's going to be real hard on low light. <laughs> Just because. <kidding. laughs> Go ahead, Paul.
3: Yeah, but I mean, again, once you're once you're familiar with it, you're coming at it from the first game you have ever played with it. it that's going to be terrible, obviously. But like at some point, you're going to know this rule set as well as you know D and D Five E or the original or D and D Two E or the original Vampire, where you're not you're not looking at it all the time, but.
0: I, I agree. I agree 100%. I, I just wish that as uh, from a design standpoint it had an intuitive layout that you could kind of, that would flow very easily. Which, which despite the failings that the earlier iterations of the game had, and they had many, I don't want to get in some nostalgia thing here where it's like, oh, everything from fucking 1995 was the best and everything from after that is the worst. I'm not trying to say that at all. Those games had some real problems. Yeah. But, um... They made sense, and, the, and 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 each book that you purchased was laid out in the same way. So if you if you had learned the first book, you could kind of bumble around in the second book, like sight unseen, and find the, the salient information that you were looking for. And one of the things about this line is that that's not the way it is in these other books. Each book is almost like its own independent experience, and it makes them like really fucking hard to use.
3: Mm.
1: Well, in the other two books uh, the what was it the Camarilla and the Anarch book are kind mm-hmm. of just storybooks right there's not a whole lot of actual mechanics or any anything they're just give they're the uh, part they're the part of the story that you didn't get while you' were reading all the rules in the book <laughs>
0: well, yeah sort of but they do throw some salient rule information in there in that they start give first of all, one of one of the cooler innovations in this game, and this is kind of systemic. I don't really want to dwell on it too long, but it is these the concept of the lore sheets that you yeah. find at the back. So you get this real like an actual uh, systemic uh, understanding of what is it that my character knows. And I was talking about this with Chris Handley on our um, on our character creation episode. I don't know if you've listened to it or if you haven't, but um, in the old in the old game there was this real question when you were hanging out with people who had played the game for a very long time and who had read novels and who had spent a lot of time like, uh, reading the source books and they would say things like, Oh, well, of course I know the names of N- the Nikutu." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, you do? I don't, I don't know. Just cause you as the player knows that. And then they start arguing with you. Well, why wouldn't I, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, well now if you want to know who the fucking names of the Nikutu are, then you can fucking like, take some dots. You know what I'm saying? I really like that. That's, 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 that's very elegant, you know? Um, but aside from like lore sheets and, and clans, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of plot stuff, but it does have those very salient mechanics in those books.
1: Well, the lore sheets are in the back of the main book. And I really love that idea too. That's a great Mm -hmm. idea to get people into the further universe, the vampire cinematic universe. I prefer to stay completely away from that in all episodes because it just its too much. Too much. I never liked it in second edition. Just I'll go play in my own corner, my own universe.
3: And Richard, you know, I'm the same way. Like I'm never, I never, vampire was never my thing for the world of darkness that they put onto it. I like, I like the system and stripping the bones out of it and using it for other things sometimes, or sometimes things completely different. And I love that lore sheet mechanic for it, because again, if you're like, I think I talked about it when we did the character generation, it's a great way if you were going to, if you were going to completely ignore all the World of Darkness stuff and just use this system, it'll give you a way to introduce story elements of your own creation to the PCs. And what I would do with it is I would tell all the PCs at character generation to hold back three freebie points or give them three they're not called freebie points anymore but whatever three of your build points for it and then i would just give it to them like here this is the thing that you're connected up with and you know and this is something that only you know about and you've got you know these powers from knowing about it and allows your 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 group of pcs to each have this little piece of the puzzle that they can share with the other pcs or not share with the other pcs and i i just i i really like that mechanic i i thought it was a good one it's probably like my second or third favorite mechanic in the book
2: yeah i agree with that that's that's kind of one of the versions sort of a soft re- as a self-confessed lore hound i always devoured a lot of the uh a lot of the vampire lore books and uh it but you know in the wrong hands yeah to get, get you know cause a problem with the character so um I, I, I do like the way that that works, and uh, I think that was that part of it that was handled pretty well.
0: <laughs> I, I think that we're kind of segueing pretty naturally right now into the story element. So, like, what do we think of the story? Like, right now, what do we think of the story that uh, that uh, vampire, uh, the masquerade fifth, is kind of selling us now? I don't mean, like, do you like the rise of the Second Inquisition or do you like the Gehenna War? But, like, how do you feel about what it is that the um, game kind of presents? And I'll, I'll tell you what my early thoughts are. First of all, I feel like the game is rather coy with us. Like, on one hand, they stripped a whole bunch of shit out of this game. Okay? So, like, you buy the core book and it's like, oh, you can't play all the clans. They're not all in here. And the Sabbath's gone. And then we've changed the storyline a whole bunch because it's all gone. It's all different. And then what did they replace it with? Right? Like, they didn't really replace it with anything. It's kind of just like, oh, well, now things are really hard for your character because everybody's everybody's just kind of staying off the radar. That's it. But there was not, like, uh... There was not a feeling of a new and dramatic story, despite the fact that there was all this new stuff going on. But then they don't want to tell you about it. In fact, there's this kind of almost this winking kind of, hey, hey wait till you buy the next book. And, uh, and that felt crass. That felt very kind of cheap in a certain way. And... Um, And then the books never came out. You know what I'm saying? It was like, here we are. And, like, just seriously, like, a week ago, uh, we get, like, uh, this news that um, White Wolf has moved the property again over to Renegade and that they've put Justin Achille back in charge of it and that his big gift to us for Christmas is he's going to, like, squish out a PDF so that we can all play Zimacy at last. You know what I'm saying? And, uh... At, 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 at the end of the day I still don't really see what they have replaced all the big chunks of game that they took out with what is the compelling riff you know what I'm saying well i think I, well
2: I, <laughs> I don't mind the absence of it that much I kind of like the mystery of it at the same time tell me to keep invested in what's going on exactly uh, in same way, yeah I, I don't really yeah I, I don't really know what I'm reading as much. I, I do, you know, if, if I'm an enterprising storyteller, you know, it kind of makes me want to, you know, you know, create my own story seeds. But, you know, I, I want my own players to kind of like drive the, the story if I'm kind of in that position. So I don't want to, you know, drive the, the, whole, the whole table, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, kind I of I two minds about it.
0: I feel, I feel, because because I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I feel like that what they did by saying like we're not going to put in all the clans, we're not going to put in all the the arc, the the story, the story arcs and shit. It's like yeah, they're trying to liberate us, but also, I feel like they kind of are like, oh no, um, we really want you to kind of knuckle down and like focus on the core game, and we're going to give you the original seven clans so that you can kind of really get into them. But then how do you get into them? There's not that much information in there about it. Like again, if we're talking about this is a product for new players, like they come in and they're like, oh, the elders are all gone and the Gehenna War's going on, and then here's two pages about the Tremere, and I don't understand any of this shit. You know what I'm saying?
3: I think Well, I think you you do it by you do it by play. It's like powered by the apocalypse. You play to find out. And I think that's the problem coming from the nineties, is White Wolf, frankly, the criticism that I hear more than anything about White Wolf. Is it tells you like if if there's a vampire that's ever existed in the world, there is a 90s white wolf book that will tell you exactly what he who he ate for dinner that night and where he took his last dump. And it's all very like granulated detail that, you know, I have I have talked to people that that was always their criticism is they felt handcuffed by this. Because there's somebody that's read every lore book that's ever come out from all the clans and they know, you know, well, the Book of Nod was not found in Antioch in 1945. It was found in, you know, the remains of Carthage and, you know, or whatever. Like, fuck all that. So, I think that's what they're doing is they're giving you space as the storyteller to to do that. To not to not have it spoon-fed for you. And then the... And kind of like with the Gehana thing, they just like... They're just like, well... Antediluvians and elders are gone. We don't really know where it is or what's going on. Bye.
0: Well, I mean, cre- they said that, don't they say that it's in the Middle East? They're like, yeah. oh, they're, they're all being drawn by the beckoning to the Middle East to fight the Gehenna War, but we're not going <laughs> to tell you what it is or but what's going on, so don't run your game in the Middle East. You're like, you can it, run a game it, anywhere it,
3: it, except it the is, Middle yeah. East. But it's very much Some that like they're them. over there, it's there be dragons, there be elders and antediluvians.
2: Like <laughs> I went to their home planet, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and I mean, what they're doing, like pulling out to twenty thousand feet, is they're ca- they're they're cutting the knees out of the power structure and bringing everything back down to the players level. Or there's there's a vacuum, and again, I think it's a metaphor for at least American society, of you know, you got. <laughs> You've got, like, the, you've got all the baby mooners, boomers that are have, have had a stranglehold over everything for our entire lives who are, like, slowly dying off and, like, making space for people that have other ideas that weren't formed in 1955 to, like, come up and take a chance to lead. Or at least creating, like, a space where you could hope to get to a place where you could lead or control the narrative.
0: I, I, I think that those are hot takes. Those are good takes, and I like and I like where you're going with that. Um, I, I feel like there's a potential that I've like misrepresented my point, in that I, um, I I sound like I'm asking for like more like, well, tell me what happens to Marcus Vidal, which I really don't care about. You know what I'm saying? I could, I can could give a fuck about Marcus Vidal, and I and, and seriously, like uh like uh, I'm one of those people who like who like was always crying about like. Why they gotta tell me everything? Why they gotta make it so my characters like can't turn around without bumping into a signature character? But I guess what I'm asking is, is like, where is the feeling of inspiration in this book? Where is those, where is those juicy morsels that I want to like kind of sink my teeth into? It's like they've stripped out so much, but they didn't replace it with anything. And I'm like, well, I guess that this juicy morsel is—is is I have to my character has to decide whether they want to work for the Camarilla or the Anarchs, and then I should not get shot by the Second Inquisition, and that's it. Is that the game? Is that real? Is that it? Is that really the big horror game?
1: I, I think that's the. I think that's the game. I think that's uh, the, yeah, the play. The play cycle. You know what was that? Uh, MDT always says uh, the the play environment the. Uh, you're supposed to know, like in Dungeons and Dragons, you know you're going to be diving into dungeons and fighting dragons. Like it's really right there. The play, the 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 personal and and political horror is supposed to be that same thing. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to be like have a lot of internal monologue and and have these like situations that are very terrible for you, and that's supposed to be kind of a, a an interest. And I think that's an interesting environment to be in but the political thing i think is what you're is is kind of the more external meaty thing that you're looking for and and like you said it's it's the ca- Camarilla and the 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 anarchs kind of like trying to maneuver the pieces on the chessboard to try and like not you know either you know but the camera has been uh, been kind of uh Denuded, so like that's the, well, you know so that's there we anyway, go ahead. i
0: feel like when you bought the original game there was this idea of this spooky world right your character yeah. dies and becomes back as a vampire and now they live in this spooky world and there's all this spooky shit going on and you've got to figure out how that spooky shit relates to you like where you're going to be in that and then it did degenerate over the course of like 10 years into fucking superheroes with fangs and that was regrettable but the core idea was is this is this is fucking scary man it's like I live in a goddamn haunted house now I am the haunted house you know I am my own haunted house and there's no more spooky shit. I don't feel spooked out reading this book. I don't feel anything. I'm just like, wait. So you're telling me the big game, the big conflict in my character's life is, I got to choose which club I'm gonna belong to, and not get shot by the cops. That's the game.
2: Well, I think, you know, part of it, part of it is too. You know, the Brendan, it's you know, people have bigger expectations for you know, in the world, and you know. You know, maybe that that type of personal horror is not what drives people anymore. You know, people are people are talking Marvel. People are talking, you know, big explosions. And, you know, that (laughs) that type of small scale, like personal driven horror isn't as, you know, riveting for people. And you you have to find like a like an analog for that type of story. Like what, um, you know, what modern analog is that? Um, I I think I think it still can drive people, but, you know, it has to find because that's that's always what find what makes people interested, like what what the modern um, cultural analog is, I think.
1: I think indie movies or indie indie movies are kind of like if we're if we're talking about where vampires are at right now, what in the culture and, and the uh where personal horror is at. It's really in like indie movies and the correlation of these small indie role-playing games. Like you, you know, you talk about like Bluebeard's Bride or some of these other like, you know, small horror, you know, small personal horror kind of has horror used to be, you know, it was a blade. I mean, some some motherfuckers like to ice skate uphill. I mean, you know, that used to be you know where the 90s horror was at like you know that is, but like now you look at uh what uh you know some of these small indie you know horror movies that's that's where horror is kind of gone and they they kind of I feel like this game is like a supermodel that's kind of let themselves go. It's like the amazing bone structure, but it just kind of became bloated and not going to go anywhere. Like it just, yeah, see,
0: see, my, 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 my metaphor, my metaphor for this game is because we're about to get rid of system here. our last <laughs> topic. And, and, uh, and maybe this is the perfect transition. My metaphor for this game is, is it's a fucking awesome sports car that when you like open up the hood and you look at the tech, you're like, this car is fucking rad. Look at all these fucking rad engines. And then you get into the to, to the driver's compartment and you're like, ugh, like, God, these features suck. You know, like I just wanna tear <laughs> I wanna tear all this crap off of this awesome frame and then rebuild it. You know what I'm saying? Oh That's yeah. kind of where I'm at.
1: Absolutely. I had so- the thought of like somebody just needed to do a clone of this game and just strip all the shit out of it. Like if somebody just did a clone uh, that was like less than 200 pages that just took all the systems because systems can't be copyrighted. Just took all the systems and broke it down and shrank them and then just put didn't put like the copyrighted shit inside of it. It would it would go way faster. It would work way better.
0: (laughs) If somebody wrote like an old school essentials version of like Vampire the Masquerade and like just just wrote all the same rules literally only they wrote reworded them. So the, the, there's no copyright. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the game itself. Let's, I mean, now, I mean, I've, I've, I I've. feel like I've I've really tried to, you know, I've tried to put my knuckles up against this game. But listen, now that we're down to the fucking, you know, we're sitting here with our steak knife and our fork and we're just cutting into the meat. We're cutting away from the bone. The tech in this game is fucking rad. Yes. It's, fu- it's fucking good. Yeah. yeah. You know? I,
3: yeah. I want to strip this thing to the bone and use it for something completely different. <laughs> like, I, I, would run, I, I would run a high fantasy game in this tomorrow. <laughs> like
0: you, you, you can say what you will about the production and the development direction and like the corporate moneyed interests that got their claws into this and wouldn't let Ericsson, do what he wanted or like the weird special interests that tried to pull the game in other directions, whatever, whatever, man, more ink has been spilled on that. than I care to revisit, but at the end of the day, there were some developers who got into a goddamn room and started rolling dice and really got to the crux of what vampire, the masquerade role playing is supposed to be about, right? This game functions on a technical level, that is, that is quite frankly i think probably the best iteration of the game there's ever been
2: yeah yes it's, I agree. it's a very interesting game yeah the
1: yeah the engine this is like the crate motor for a great vampire movie ga- game the cr- <laughs> this motor the the degeneration mechanics the 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 chapter on blood is fascinating i still don't quite understand all of it but the, like all the humors and the 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 the, the emotional states of that can affect the blood that can make your powers do different things like that's fascinating but to yeah. get there you got to get through a lot of other shit
0: <laughs> yeah well, remember-
3: yeah Ahead, I mean, I remember when we were doing the uh, – when we did the character creations session, uh, Chris said something. and it Actually, I was thinking about it when you were talking about the clans and the clans being kind of dumb in modern-day world of not how we relate to each other. But he was talking about it with disciplines that like vampires don't run around saying I use my off skate." I was out using <laughs> off skate to hunt the other day, you know. it's just they have this ability that they can make their blood do certain things and that's what they do it and nobody calls it anything it's just you know no one says i use celerity it's just like holy crap did you see how fast richard moved just then? and i think you could do like the same thing with the clans you could strip all that out i think he actually mentioned that in the in in the recording so if you wanted to take those out and try to do something completely fresh you know i think you could do that with it it's it is a great engine though just up and down
0: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and I and I loved kind of what he was hitting on in that uh, session about the way that the the, the the disciplines are really kind of amorphous, you know, powers, and and that was, and he was all like, no one ever walks up to anyone and says, hey, bro, could you like teach me protean? And he's like, well, what protean do you know? He's like, I know what red eyes, dude. I need to know wolf claws, you know. Um, and, it's like a conversation that couldn't happen, and yet in game you would actually have to try and have those conversations because a player would turn to you and say something like, "I really need to learn. I, I can't. I, I always think people spend spend fucking experience points based on role playing, and I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you take discipline dots unless you find someone to teach you." And so then they would have these awkward conversations in game where they'd be like. Uh, can you teach me how to run at, like, say, three dots faster than I can currently run with just two dots using the art of celerity or something? And they never gave you the fucking, like, in-game goddamn vocabulary to talk about it, you know? Right. This new thing is um, vastly, vastly superior.
1: And you can't... Uh, and it says explicitly in there that you cannot learn a discipline unless you have tasted the blood of a vampire who is hat has that discipline. So like the blood bond itself becomes this much more interesting, like you can't learn it. Sorry. Just you can't unless you, I mean, you could if you have that innately from your clan, then you would, you, that's just your blood expressing, expressing itself. And you can spend experience points to express your blood. But other than that, like, Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, and that, and that gets, that cuts away some of the discipline creep that we saw, you know, um, where people were literally just, I mean, because this was a problem in particular with, uh, vampire, the dark ages games. If you were trying to play a chronicle of ages, people would literally just have more experience points than they knew what to do with. And they'd be like, well, I guess I, uh, can just max, start maxing out disciplines, you know? Um, and that, and that and that kind of killed the fun at a certain point. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it, kill, it, 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 it tipped things onto this wrong side of the bell curve.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Right.
3: Well, and I, I think, you know, again, I think this whole game, like the mechanics of it, they try to... And even really with the fiction they give you, they, they aim you towards the bottom being the rabble trying to scrabble up the ladder. Which I think is... I think is good. I think that it. I mean, you could always do that with vampire. And I think you ask the people that wrote the '90s vampire, they would tell you that's what they had in mind. But you know, a lot of times it degenerated into superheroes and trench coats. And I think this, it, it just everything about it fights that. And I don't know. I think I think it does a very good job with that. Well, yeah. Let
0: me ask I, you. Good. Okay. Sorry, Eric. You go ahead. You
2: go. Yeah. I think that's always the the, the problem that vampires games have. Had what I think the developers have always had in mind, you know, to, to try to minimize that and to try to focus on the personal horror aspect. But then it's the players that have always wanted to introduce the discipline creep and the power creep, because, you know, they want the three dots in the celerity and they want to pop the wolf claws and they want to do the aggravated damage and they want to, you know, you know, from session to session, they want more powers. So it's always maintaining this like delicate balance of like, allowing players to do things while also maintaining this sense of personal horror. And so I, I do think that it's interesting how the game is managing to do that and kind of, um, I guess like balancing these two things while, you know, like allowing people to have powers, but, you know, making, not always making things permanent in every way. I I, still trying to understand all the rules, but, yeah, how, like, that, brother. Yeah, like I, it, it'll be interesting to see like over time, like how they manage to avoid power creep.
3: <laughs> well, and, and I really like in the disciplines, the way they've done the the Rouse the Blood thing, as opposed to just like I spend a blood point out of my blood pool, because, again, it's not like. Oh crap, I got a big fight. Better load up on rats before I go. You know, <laughs> and you you've got this element of risk like cuz again they they bring it back to they reinforce the idea that like you've got this beast that is trying to get out and ruin your life. And you have to roll. Every time you try like you can use it as a tool to accomplish your goals, but sometimes you're going to be in control of it and sometimes it's going to get out and then you got to deal with it and they add that like element of chance of like is the day the day that you know you know again to use the addiction metaphor that like you know i do an eight ball and you know go crazy and you know kill everything <laughs> right. i love or whatever you know and, and right I'm, right right or does it just help me stay up all night and study for a test like you know well, I, I don't like, know we'll find out i, I love that uh, okay, they no, have the no, three no, round right,
1: right. The, the three round rule in this. Mm-hmm. So combat yeah. is only supposed to last 3 rounds, which uh, you know, you could argue that all day long, but I think that makes it more interesting because you can have a stalemate. You don't, you know, that that was always kind of the weirdness is like uh okay, so we're going to have 4 hour combats uh to try and figure out how my super munchkin character will kill your super munchkin character. Like this right, is Right,
0: and that and that, that in of itself is a certain kind of weird thing. This whole idea of like I'm going to kill X. I mean people people get in fights, but how often people try to kill each other? Is that really how vampires are? Or are they just like, oh, that's it, I'm gonna try and kill you, you know?
3: Well, and I think they have the um oh, I'm gonna miss what they call them, but the um when you're initially setting them up, the conventions for the game, I'm 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 getting the wrong word for it. Um, you know, where it's like you're chronicle going tenants. To- the chronicle tense thank you where it's like we're all going to agree that like this is the game we're going to play right like it's not saying my character can't do it but like we're all going to agree we're going to put these bounds on ourselves and if you go outside those bounds there's a mechanical reinforcement punishing you for it so i like i again i like that i I really do
0: all right i got one question for everybody for the table and then we're going to do closing thoughts and then we're going to wrap it up um so here's my question is this game backwards compatible or is this a game that is on some level despite the fact that the the plot is a continuation of the one from the 90s is this game really like an independent game that doesn't really have anything to do with the other games
3: i think at it i think mm. at it well if your answer is can it be backwards compatible Sure, I think you can. I think there's anything from the 90s that you could take and you could, I don't know, bootstrap's not quite the right word, but drag it into this that you particularly wanted. But my instinct is, is at its best, is I would start with this book in your hand and go forward. And I think it's probably going to be better that way.
2: Yeah, I I think it is. One of my thoughts is I'd kind of like to see elements of like the thin blood rules run in a, like a a Hannah Chronicle. Like I kind of want to think about like how that would be. Um, uh, I just thought like, I think that would be kind of interesting, but um, uh, like in in one of those scenarios. But um, if that's what you meant by that question, but um, yeah, I, I think it is to an extent.
0: Richard sound like you had a thought
1: to me some of the best stuff about the the original games the you know the like you said the like the low level stuff that was like the original initial releases of like first and second edition I think you can it it's definitely very translatable but I think a lot of like the higher level stuff they've just kind of waved off. They <laughs> just kind of waved off. They're like no, no, no. Not that. So I think there is some that is backwards compatible. I think there is you could bring your characters into this and and quite and you there's going to be some rejiggering because the uh you know the some of the disciplines don't exist anymore that they are expressed as other disciplines. So there's definitely going to be some like Rearranging of your character sheet, but I think you could bring your chronicle into this, and you know, frankly, I think you might be in a better footing because you already have all that stuff kind of like laying. One
0: of the things that (laughs) vexes me about the way that this game is written is that I think Paul really hit the nail on the head when he said this game is meant to be played now, going forward. It. This game, despite kind of what we've said, this weird tension that is inside the game and is almost visible on every single page where it's being torn in two directions between this kind of fetishizing of the past and then this kind of dedication to the future of the game. It's clearly on wheels that go forward, right? Like, again... You can sit there and you can do the work and bust out your old Dark Ages books and find a way to play a Dark Ages game using these rules. And that's not impossible. That's the kind of work that DMs and GMs like to do anyway. And so that's fine. But what's crazy to me is how much stuff they both just sort of dismiss and sort of presume that you already know. Like, say I... I'm a brand new player and I want to pick up this book. And I'm like, Oh, you know what would be cool is if I ran it and it took place in London in the Victorian era. Right. Um, but then like later on you might find out, Oh, well there's all these other books that are actually about London in the Victorian era. And like, they didn't really have anything to do with this book. You know what I'm saying? And yet, yet somehow I was in part of that continuity. there's this whole weird continuity that they kind of inject into the storyline that has only taken place in the last 20 years, but they don't really they they kind of tell you that, but they kind of don't tell you that. Do they really expect you to go out and buy a bunch of books from like 1999 and read them? Like, do they care if you do? Do they want you to? It's very strange. Additionally, in previous iterations of the game, it it was kind of designed so that you could like you literally could take those those books and just play whenever. Like, obviously, like, the character sheet was kind of, like, better if you were playing in, like, 1990, but you could be playing in 1890 or 1690 and the fucking system would still work exactly the same. But if you take this game and you try and drop it into something that isn't, the second Inquisition is hunting you and the elders are leaving for the Gehenna War and you got to choose between the Camarillo and the Anarchs, like, all of a sudden, this game kind of starts falling apart. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you supposed to do with this? You know, does that make sense?
3: Well, I I don't I, I guess I don't quite get what you mean with that. Like, you could if you're talking about like the system. Like again, going back to the bones, I think you can I think you can plaster over whatever fiction you want on it, whether that's the original vampire fiction set at whatever time you want to set it, or it's now going forward.
0: Well, sure. I mean, yeah, the, the the system has the the integrity, except for the fact that, like, you can't ever be beyond, like, a certain generation. And it literally says, like, you're not allowed to play a character in this game that is, like, over 250 years old. Like, we're not right yeah. for that. We,
2: maybe maybe someday that we will. Seems to be the main limitation. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. But but then what about that play cycle that we were talking about earlier where it's like, well, what's the play cycle of this game is like designed around these concepts of these things that are happening right now. And then, I mean, like 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 this is kind of like what, what Richard was saying where he was saying, I wish that they had made it into different books where it was like there's just a book that has this cool system in it and I can use it for whatever I want. And then there's another book that's getting in my grill about the Gehenna War and the Camarilla and the Anarchs and the Second Inquisition. Because if you say, well, I'm going to run this game in, like, 1890, you can basically just take all that shit and throw it in the dumpster. because It doesn't actually matter in 1890. You know what I'm saying? I think
1: I think the, the part that's missing that, that makes this not backwards compatible is this. Like, you're missing the top of the pyramid. You're missing the rules for the top of the pyramid. So, like, there's no – it doesn't filter down. I think if they had – I think they could have gotten away with just saying that the, you know, not having the Gehenna war and just, you know, kind of saying that they're just less <laughs> elders than they were in the original fiction. Like just, just like bring the pyramid down as opposed to just going, Oh no, the entire pyramid is go- half, half the top of the pyramid. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you just come up Middle with East. a different
2: explanation as for war? And
3: <laughs> or I mean I you just pull Star Wars oh and say everything that we publish before this date is a legend It <laughs> yeah, is no longer right. a canon. <laughs> yeah. and, oh no no, no. <laughs> there really have never there really have never been anything more than fifth generation. No one's ever seen a fifth generation vampire before.
0: I, I think it's in the uh Camarilla book, but uh the no no the Camria book gives you the, the asimites sort of strangely and uh if if you're old if you're if you're if you're familiar with vampire from back in the day the Camarilla book gives you Asimites and it feels weird because you're like why but then there are reasons or whatever in the book but they're not called Asimites anymore now they're called Banu Hakim and I like I kind of like that I like that better than fucking Asimites Asimites always felt a little weird Um, and there's no reason why you can't go back into the, your old Dark Ages game and be like, yeah, there's no Asimites, man. Everybody's in the Banu Hakim. I would kind of prefer that. But at some point, apparently in the storyline, if you want to stick, if you're like, if you're like me and Eric and you want to be a cannon hand about it, there's like some moment where they're like, no, we're not going to be called Asimites anymore. We'll be called Banu Hakim. And it's that kind of weird, like fence riding about the, about like the terms and stuff Later on, you end up buying the uh, uh, Anaroxen book, and it turns out that the, the Sedites are in that one, and they want to be called the Ministry now, and that's that's completely perplexing. Like, why do the Sedites get called the Ministry? Like, who came up with that?
3: Like, uh, Sedite is not the preferred nomenclature anymore.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's and that's fine, and even even then, like the followers of Seth, <laughs> that was kind of. But like, what's up with the Ministry? Like, who made that decision? Did, set tell them that?
2: <laughs> like, no. did they can vote? All of a sudden you're gonna tell me the Giovanni are not. <laughs> or what? That.
0: Oh they're not <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know?
2: No. What are what there's are they called?
0: Whole, there's, there's a whole there's well, well you know, if you're if you're an old cannon hound, as you and I are, there's a there's a whole like yes. arch range of clans that are associated with uh the death kind of sphere. And now they are all called like the Hikat or some shit. I don't know if I'm saying oh. that right, but they're all the, they're all one thing, and that's the Cappadocians, samiti Giovanni, and then like I don't know the Nagaraja or something else. I, I don't know. Um,
2: Lump all the death clans into one group.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that book, that book comes out, I think, in January or yep. February of uh, of next year, and uh, and I'm in it, so uh, you should buy oh. it. And, and all, all you guys who are. Uh, well, you Full Metal RPG fans, if you, if you buy that book, there's a picture in it of the host of this show, and uh, he's wearing a Full Metal RPG shirt. So your, uh, your your least favorite podcast is in your most favorite vampire game now, as official canon. In, in the actual world of darkness, Full Metal RPG is real. <laughs>
2: just,
1: just,
0: you know, we're part of the canon.
1: And retire and the retired uh, retired host yeah, is a yeah. is a Prince. Prince of so. Philadelphia, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think he's called Adam, but That's it's No. Yeah, right. Uh, on a long enough timeline. Um yeah, I, I still have problems with the backwards compatibility of this game. I wish that they had just made a stand. And said something like, "No, this is a serious continuation of the game, and we're going to s- stick with certain things, or we're going to retcon certain things." But this kind of trying to play, have their cake and eat it too, it just bothers me. So, okay, what are our final thoughts? Well, oh, man, we've been going for a hot minute. Uh, boy, I knew this was going to be a long one, but this is a long one. Um, yes. <laughs> final thoughts, uh, Richard? Would you play this game? Do you love it or do you hate it? What are your thoughts?
1: <clears throat> I would play. I would play this game. I would, as with my classic tradition with Vampire the Masquerade, I would probably ditch any and all canon. Uh, I think the system is there. I really desperately want someone to rewrite it into something that actually uh, reads well so I could hand it to somebody. Um, yeah. That's pretty much my thoughts.
3: <laughs> Paul, hit me. I never disagree with Richard when he's right, and he's right. I Everything he said, that's exactly it. I would I would strip out all the fiction again. I would, I would actually love to strip out the system and use it for something completely different. I think you could do a great, uh, dragon age hack with this. Like if you wanted to make a hack for the video game dragon age, I think this would be great for that. But mm.
2: fascinating. Uh, Eric, uh, I like it. It's, it's an interesting, um, uh, clever, uh, if, uh, somewhat, uh, difficult to read book. Uh, I'm, coming coming up with a right-wing troll bruja um secret Q uh leader uh <laughs> character uh as we speak no just kidding uh possibly <laughs> um so yeah no it's it, it's an interesting book i uh i i, I like it
0: I like they got it. they got in real trouble for putting the right-wing character in here like the, the, that, that suggestion did you know that like people uh, people fr- people freaked out on the internet and they were I, like how dare you say to play a right-wing character you're endorsing right-wingism and as
2: people i, I, figured. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that's why i said
0: that. ah fair fair yeah yeah i i, I uh uh it, it, people who listen to this show regularly know this is a left-wing podcast and we're leftists here at least the show is ideologically left i won't speak for anybody in, in particular but um but uh, uh, even as far left as I am, that I like feel, I look, I look over my shoulder and I see Bernie Sanders receding into the distance, and, uh, and I'm just like, I don't know why you can't play the character you want to play, man. That seems a little weird to me. But anyway, um, I'm I'm with I'm I'm with you guys. Uh, I think it's kind of I, as even if I have seemed rather pugnacious about this book over the course of this like now two hour episode, I assure you it is due only. To put it through its proper rigors, I think it's a very good game, and I would run it. I I intend to run it. I think it's I think it's I think it's very well written. I think it's a fine addition to the uh, vampire you know uh, uh, collection. Uh, I think I think that to sort of self answer my own rhetorical question at the beginning, I think a thing can succeed and fail at the same time. And I think that in the ways that this game succeeds, it succeeds greatly. And the way that it fails, it is kind of a perplexing disappointment. I am 100% with Richard in that this core book needs to be rewritten. They really need to do what, uh, uh, Cubicle 7 did with Wrath and Glory when they took it over from Ulysses Spiel. Renegade really needs to just take a year and rewrite this fucking book and turn it into an actual role-playing book and not, like, a coffee table book. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, Chris, Mc, Chris McDowell, I think, writer of uh, electric Bastion Land, that was, that's one of his game design principles. Is he says, I write for the game table, not the coffee table. And that somebody needs to post that up in their cubicle <laughs> at light Wolf. Um, but other than that, it's a very fine game. And uh, I actually look forward to playing it and to seeing what new uh, stuff they come out with because I think that this game has a lot of potential if they could... Just get their heads on straight, you know? Um, all right. Well, hey, you know, to everybody who's made it through this two-hour saga, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you a great deal. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Eric and You're to welcome. Paul.
2: Thanks appreciate for having me. You guys. Thank you, yes. I appreciate uh, you
0: I, I, I would, I would hope that you guys would consider coming back on again sometime. It's been a real pleasure talking with both of you.
3: I enjoyed it. Anytime. Anytime. Thank, thank you, Colfus.
0: And thank you to uh, RBK for putting it all together as usual. You're the man. Uh, if you want to support Full Metal RPG, check out our Instagram, our Patreon, our Facebook page. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as always. Have a good night. Rah.
2: What a wonderful thing humanity is. Passionate. Intelligent, inquisitive, generous, full of hope and joy,
0: noble of spirit, and above all, delicious.